0: Thank you for listening to the only podcast dedicated to the business of pharmacy. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. You can find all of our episodes at PharmacyPodcast.com. Hello, this is
1: Joseph Friedman, Chief Operating Officer for PDI Medical, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast.
0: Hey there, pharmacy industry. This is Todd Uri, the host of the pharma- Pharmacy Podcast. Um, Pretty excited about today's show. Um, I've been waiting to do this interview for about three or four months. Um, this interview, by the way, just to let you know, it's the listeners. It's my uh, colleagues out there in the field, uh, in the business of pharmacy that help, that has helped to create this podcast. Um, this is a very special podcast, the first of its kind. It's the subject of medical marijuana and how it fits into our healthcare uh, system and our healthcare system of the future and I am very uh, blessed and lucky to have a seasoned professional with uh, more than 15 years of uh, experience in sales marketing business development uh, more uh, closely to this interview the chief operations officer at PDI medical Mr. Joseph Friedman good morning Joseph how are you?
1: Good morning, Todd. Thank you very much. I'm pleased to be on this podcast, and I really hope to uh, benefit the pharmacy listeners that are out there.
0: Yeah, Joseph, it's so important because you know we we know in the last, uh, especially the last two years, there's been much change with the use of uh, medical marijuana, and certain states have, of course, come around and and started to legalize certain things and. Many of my uh, associates in the pharmacy industry see such a benefit in this. In different spaces, there's so many publications out there. Um, there's politicians, of course, in our our healthcare system that are are pro uh, using this as long as it's uh, aligned with um, with medication adherence and medication management, which only makes sense with really any medication. <laughs> and um, I've read some things I wanted to to, to share with the listeners before we get started with the interview and you know that's uh many different things it's using uh marijuana to help the spread of um to stop the spread of certain cancers and uh different uh decreasing of anxiety in certain patients and um helping appetite to to increase uh different uh multiple sclerosis and in helping to control um even seizures for example so there's so much out there that, uh, from a medical perspective, that could be a beneficial. And the reason why I'm excited to have uh, Joseph Friedman on is, you're really one of the leaders here in the country that's really looking at why this is so beneficial, and you're kind of helping to lead the charge in this. So I'm going to open it up to you, jo- Joseph. Give us, give the listeners, an overview of yourself, your background, and PDI Medical.
1: Sure, glad to. Uh, most of my career has been in the corporate world in positions of sales, marketing, business development. And, uh, uh, you know, I had an interest in botanicals back in pharmacy school when we took um, uh, the course pharmacognosy. Norman Farnsworth, who uh, unfortunately has passed on, um, was incredible from the standpoint of his uh, Drugs of the Amazon presentation at the UIC College of Pharmacy. And I remember that and that had an impact on me to this day, where botanicals and what you can get out of a plant um, can really be beneficial from a healthcare standpoint. In fact, uh you know, we can just go ahead and take a couple of examples like Deadly Nightshade, you know, we get the Belladonna alkaloids out of that, atropine, scopolamine, hycosamine, uh um, willow branches, you can suck on one of those or take an aspirin, take your pick. So, uh, PDI Medical stands for Professional Dispensaries of Illinois, and I created that company about a year ago uh, and have assembled a team in the hopes of uh, being in this business and opening up anywhere from one to three professional pharmacy-centric dispensaries in Illinois. And the pharmacist model, uh, I believe very strongly in that, and I've been a big proponent of pharmacist involvement in this industry. Uh, not only at a local, but a state level and um, and uh, at a, a national level as well, because this is a drug. I mean, let's face it. Um, you, know, you can go ahead and take a look at the history of marijuana um, over the millennium, and marijuana uh, has medicinal benefits. And uh, you know, for the, the fact that the federal go, uh, federal scheduling of that is, is Schedule One doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. And hopefully, down the road. Uh, The feds are going to go ahead and change that where it's uh, more accessible and research can be done and all the things that that, um, pertain to a drug can actually be accomplished.
0: You know, I have some base questions that I'm sure our listeners are going to be, um, as uh, healthcare professionals, pharmacists, nurses, doctors who listen to the show, um, are probably wondering about. So let's just start out with some of the basics. How many states have already approved medical cannabis?
1: Uh, As of this day, uh, 23 in the District of Columbia and counting.
0: Very good. So how many states are waiting for the approval of medical cannabis?
1: Uh, Right now, as far as uh, the research I've done, there's 15 states that are awaiting approval, and that includes Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Iowa, Oklahoma, Ohio, Nebraska, Missouri, Mississippi, uh, let's see, Kansas, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, South Carolina,
0: and Tennessee. So, um, Joseph, I heard a really interesting um, pitch, um, and I'm not going to mention the state that actually pitched this idea, but I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, the reason why I'm not mentioning that is because it's still in the works, and of course, I don't want to spoil any of the in- proprietary, proprietary information that I have in 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 being kind of a part of the organization that's kind of putting this framework together. But what they had come up with is. Hey, let's take county by county within the state. Let's place one dispensary in each of those counties. Let's have the physician uh, at the discretion of that physician based on the case of the patient, um, whether that be obviously glau- glaucoma, uh, appetite increasing, um, you know, anxiety, whatever it is, uh, write that prescription as he would any prescription or she any prescription. Um, send that electronically or um, physically to the pharmacy. The pharmacy enter that information to the patient's record. The patient then uh, receiving notification from the pharmacist that that's been logged to go ahead and go pick up your prescription at the county-by-county dispensary. And when I started to trail out that idea that even though it sounds like a lot of jumps, it really created a, um, a pathway of, um, of credibility, a pathway of documentation. Um, the doctor and the pharmacist were then involved, understanding that this is part of the reg- new regimen for that patient. The patient now has to go to that county-by-county dispensary in order to pick up the actual product, whether it be an edible, uh, whether it be you know um, a smokable version, depending on how it's been uh, prescribed. And now it's an ongoing um way to uh, help regulate that, but then of course better than that uh really help the patient uh through uh what they're going through as as someone who is um is you know needing to be medicated so what do you think of that model, and what other models have you heard about in in the controlling of of uh medical marijuana Yeah you know,
1: that's an ideal model, and that model uh, you know ties right into the way. Doctor sees a patient, uh doctor uh who has expertise in, in diagnosis and treatment, prescribes a medication, writes a prescription, that prescription is given to the patient, they take it to the pharmacy, they get it filled. The pharmacist goes ahead and counsels based on their you know the drug therapy, drug interactions, and things of that sort. Uh and that is the model that we have today in healthcare. Um uh, unfortunately, the model that exists for medical marijuana and cannabis. Uh, at least throughout the states that have legalized it is nothing like that. Um, pharmacists don't prescribe, they suggest. and it's really up to the dispensary, whoever is working in that dispensary, to work with that patient as they walk into uh, the dispensary with their card that allows them to get medical marijuana to say, "Okay, you know what do you you know what what condition are we treating? what what do you have?" And then it's up to that person to be able to give them that information as well as go through their drug history, drug interactions, um, side effects, and things of that sort. Now, where the problem lies is you've got, you know, people that uh, call themselves butt tenders. And, you know, I'm, I'm not slamming anyone that's a butt tender, but you know, really, how much education and training does a butt tender have um, from the standpoint of what a pharmacist or a physician would know? As far as drugs, drug interactions, side effects, uh, long-term, short-term use, uh, delivery systems. Um, you know, my my feeling is is that you've got someone that's working in um, you know places like Colorado or California that are behind the counter that are helping these patients, and they've got the training of someone that's working uh, you know in a GNC vitamin store. Um, and you know, I, I think you know there there could be some issues with that down the road, uh, or at least you're not going to get the benefit, the full benefit out of medical cannabis and what it can do and how to treat uh, based on that model currently.
0: Yeah, and it, it really is any um, prescribed medication that is ongoing part of a medical um, program and therapy that you have that physician-patient-pharmacist um, involvement in ongoing involvement, this to me is no different. And this to me is exactly how we can better regulate um, and um, and then better use um, based on the uh, benefits of of medical marijuana what from a business perspective, share with us what is and what is not in place from a perspective of some states have decriminalized it, some haven't um, but the real problem of course is is the federal government and and having um, kind of a, a blanket overall, as long as it's used as it should be used,
1: right. And um, you know, as far as uh, states and you know decriminalizing it, I mean, a number of states have actually taken steps to uh, you know minimize uh, you know any kind of prison time or cr- criminal record for first-time possession. So it's treated like a minor traffic you know violation. Uh, you know, so a number of states have done that: Alaska, California, Colorado, and so forth. Uh, so, so that's, that's progress in the right way, in the, in the right, in the right uh, step. But, you know, from the standpoint of the physician, pharmacist, uh, relationship as far as treating patients, you know, that's a broken system as far as cannabis and dispensaries are concerned. And, and, you know, what I'd like to see and what I'm pushing towards is a system that's going to be, you know, back to the roots of pharmacy where, uh, we're really putting together compounds Uh, And I've got some background in compound pharmacy where you've got all these different types of delivery systems, you know, nasal, oral uh, inhalers, uh, sublingual tablets, uh, topicals. You know, there's all ways that the cannabis plant can be manipulated to treat a very uh, variety of conditions, underlying conditions.
0: You've also mentioned in some of your notes, the pharmacist really understands those clinical interventions and outcomes Um, by knowing how this medication can um, affect other things in the life of the patient, whether that is other medications, their diet, um, the way they're feeling, um, and then the ongoing communication boils down to ongoing study and obviously communication.
1: Yeah, and then that, you know, you hit the nail on the head, Todd. Uh, You know, outcomes analysis, I mean, pharmacists have... Familiarity with collecting data and performing um, you know, clinical outcomes analysis. Uh, you, know, you also have uh, uh, you know, the, the different types of delivery systems. So, in other words, a patient walks in. Uh, it, it, there, there is, there is that, that idea that you know, not everyone's going to be smoking this product. I mean, you know, someone with lung cancer is not going to light up. So you really want to have a different delivery system to get the medicine to them, for whatever reason they're, they're it's being prescribed for pain or or actually as a as a as an anti-cancer drug. So this is where the pharmacist really can play a big role.
0: What a difference! Uh, what differences, I should say, it's um, in in decreasing of pain. Have you read about in in comparison to opiates and and of course. There, the government feels that there's a lot of um, uh, you know, issues and problems with that whole model. But what, what do you feel the difference is between pain control with an opiate versus pain control with medical marijuana?
1: I've read some studies and, and the feeling is, is that you're not going to completely eliminate you know, the, the opiate analgesics. Uh, you know, there is, it, you know, medicine is a science. It's, it, it, it's an art. It's not an exact science. And, you know, it's going to be on a patient by patient basis whether, you know, you're going to have, you're going to pick a patient and they're going to have a degree of pain on a 1 to 10 scale and you can be able to treat that pain, um, you know, with cannabis alone or with cannabis combined with an opiate. Now, one of the things that, uh, that I think is very promising is how you can get a lot of these patients that are opiate dependent off their opiates And get them on a form of cannabis that will uh, take care of the pain. Now, what's interesting about pain, um, and I'm from Illinois, so pain is not one of the underlying conditions cannabis has been approved for, but it's the number one reason why it's prescribed in states like California and Colorado. Uh, And pain is—it's fleeting. You know, there's no way to really understand how much pain a patient's in. Um, based on their testimony, if you, if you will, a testimony saying, well, doctor, I've got this severe pain, I need a card. Uh, so I want recognize that and they see that as a, as a, as a problem as far as uh, having that as an underlying condition, so that's why it's not one of the underlying conditions of the 40 conditions that has been approved for.
0: So as a whole, um, Joseph, what about some of these industry associations? Uh, Where do do our pharmacy associations stand on uh, medical uh, cannabis?
1: I think uh, I just had some recent email exchanges with some organizations just trying to get a feeling for uh, pharmacy organization involvement. And by and large, pharmacists and pharmacy organizations are conservative in nature, uh, you know, I just had an email exchange with um, uh, Food Marketing Institute. Um, there's a contact that I have there, and uh, you know, FMI Pharmacy is not involved. That's that's something that um, has not been a presentation at one of their pharmacy conventions. Um, I've got some uh, an email out to NACDS to see if there's been anything going on there. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure they're you know the pharmacy organizations have really embraced that. In fact. Uh, I'm trying to set up meetings right now with the National Association of Boards of Pharmacy uh, just to get uh, space uh, for cannabis-related companies at some of the conventions. Uh, but there is one organization that's out there that has embraced this. In fact, they set up a task force um, uh, last April, um, the National Association of Specialty Pharmacy. They recognize that the people that are walking into special fa- specialty pharmacies Uh, The the underlying conditions that are being treated are the same conditions that are being indicated for for medical marijuana. And so they created a task force and I was on that task force. Uh, And since that time they have actually created an organization called the National Association of Cannabis Pharmacy. And that's that's in its uh, infant steps right now as far as being formed and the board of directors being formed. But the idea behind it is education and credentialing, uh, creating white papers and looking at the science of pharmacy and getting pharmacists' involvement and getting CE credits out there.
0: That's really interesting. The National Association of Cannabis Pharmacy, and I know that you have a website. It's CannabisRx.org. If you're a listener and you kind of want more information on what that organization is doing to um, place uh uh, medical marijuana in the hands of the physician and pharmacist as a team as it always should be uh, to really help the patient overall once again cannabis rx.org um, that's extremely interesting joseph um i'd like to see pharmacy take the lead on this because uh, obviously as, as someone that supports pharmacy and makes a living in at doing so i see a, a tremendous benefit both from a credible standpoint a leading standpoint, but also a financial standpoint. I'd like to see some of those private pharmacies out there be able to prescribe and then that, um, that medication be managed, whether that be through a dispensary or uh, some other form, as you had said, an edible, whatever it is, but really to be able to, to bring some revenue, both from a tax perspective, but also uh, to the pharmacy as well. So, what's next on the horizon into in pushing this agenda, uh, Joseph? Share with our listeners um, possibly how a they can get involved and b um, what's the next steps.
1: Well, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take a look at next steps. Uh, you know, based on what I have done to this point, uh, I've gotten in front of uh, Illinois' Board of Pharmacy and I've given a presentation, and and, and that presentation has actually resulted in. Medical marijuana and pharmacists' involvement being an agenda item and being discussed, but I think where the real where the real benefit can come from is the pharmacists' association. Uh, for example, uh, in Connecticut, uh, early on in the process of of writing the law for medical cannabis, the Connecticut Pharmacists' Association got involved, and uh, and they actually were able to write in pharmacists. Uh, being the only ones that can apply for a dispensary permit, and, and as well as being on on site uh, while a dispensary is open, so it's a very pharmacist centric uh, process in Connecticut. And Connecticut's the only state that has done that. In fact, they've rescheduled at the state level cannabis from a Schedule One to a Schedule Two, so that allows the pharmacists that are running these dispensaries to get those transactions into the prescription monitoring program as they do for all controlled substances and Take a look at you know, use and abuse, and also uh, you know be able to monitor patients as they as they uh, you know, take this product and, and and benefit from
0: it. yeah, I sit on the board of directors uh, as industry associates chair for the Pennsylvania pharmacists Association, and they're extremely interested in understanding how this may uh, come to fruition and and come to the table and they're very pro pharmacy, being involved in this, um, as I think it sh- as I think it should be. Um, so yes, it's another state association that's, that's getting uh, proactively involved.
1: Right, in Oregon is another state where they rescheduled it from Schedule One to Schedule Two, and it was the Oregon Pharmacists Association that was behind that.
0: That's incredible. Well, Joseph, I'm uh, so glad that you got to come on the show. I thank you so many, um, so much from. Uh, from the the team here in uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, that you shared this information with us i'd like to invite you back uh, to give us an update maybe in three to six months from now just to let us know what 's uh, moving forward and how pharmacists once again can help the lead lead the way
1: I would be glad to do that in fact, uh, you know three to six months from now would would be a whole new day because this industry changes on an hour to by hour basis. And I think the idea of getting pharmacists' involvement is, is critical for the future and the benefit of this, of this industry going forward.
0: Well, once again, thank you so much, Joseph, for being on the Pharmacy Podcast.
1: Thank you, Todd. Have a great day.
0: You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. We were with Joseph Friedman. He's a uh, pharmacist. He has his MBA. He's the Chief Operations Officer for PDI Medical, and we thank you for listening.